Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Another day, another wild series of quotes from an SEC coach, this time Lane Kiffin. We'll get to that interview with Sports Illustrated, which I guess, if I read correctly, was actually conducted prior to the blow-up last week between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. But it is certainly an interesting next chapter in that debate, even if Kiffin's words were actually spoken prior to Jimbo and Saban getting at each other's throats. But as a way of getting to that, let's draw a contrast here off the top. I would say that Kirby Smart probably thinks a little differently about some of the issues around college football than Lane Kiffin does. We'll hear Kiffin's thoughts on this in a moment, but let me remind you kind of what Kirby Smart has said. He was asked the other day by Paul Feinbaum, listen, if you can make one change around college sports, if you could uh, express one concern about college football, what's the what's what's your level of concern right now? What issue are you most concerned about? And Smart, maybe this is not a surprise, kind of shine that spotlight there for the moment on the NIL stuff that's going on. That's obviously probably the biggest conversation around college ball here right now and as a way of building to what's new today let me remind you what kirby smart said just the other day this from the paul feinbaum show what can we do to protect our game you know it's really tough because the naysayers out there think we're trying to limit kids or take opportunities away that's not anybody's intent no coach wants to take an opportunity away from his players who play a tough physical rugged sport i just want to make sure that the game stays at a point where we can control it and I think everybody would agree that college football is one of the greatest sports there is. It's, it's very pure, it's amateur, and now it's drifting the other way. It makes it tough. So I'm all for the players. Uh, we've had a lot of players get an opportunity to name image likeness. I would just not want it to be a decision based on where I'm going to the highest bidder. And if we can control that some kind of way, it would be much better. So I think that's really interesting in that if you really sum up what Kirby Smart's saying there, he's saying, hey, I want to make sure that college football stays college football. Now, you can add NIL to it, and you can add this, you can add that. But the basic structure, the, the, the bones, the skeleton of this sport, I want to make sure college football stays college football. Well, I think it stands to reason that Lane Kiffin, the head coach at Ole Miss, in an interview that dropped yesterday with Sports Illustrated, that Kiffin does not necessarily feel the same way. Kiffin really put himself out there as someone who wants to embrace the kind of radical change of the sport that at least based on some of the things that Kirby Smart says you would be left to believe he doesn't quite embrace that with the same intensity that maybe a guy like Lane Kiffin does so you just heard Kirby Smart let me draw a contrast here with Lane Kiffin now this is a very interesting interview I'll put a link to this when I post the show uh, at the worldfamousdognation.com later on it's worth your time to read the entire thing I'm going to pick out a couple of different things that Kiffin said on today's show to kind of talk about it here for a moment but boy oh boy there is a lot to get to uh from the uh, kiffin stuff maybe even more time than we have to devote to it you should read it yourself but let me start with this kind of the overarching point of view from lane kiffin and it is quite different than kirby smart can we see that quote here and read this he says we are a professional sport and they are professional players kiffin right there essentially scoffing in the notion this is college football or amateur athletics he says we're a professional sport they are professional players and he says and these players shouldn't all be paid equal. That's not what happens in the real world. Why does their best player get paid the same as their worst player? That's not real life. That's Lane Kiffin from Sports Illustrated, story with Ross Dellinger that dropped yesterday. Now, I think it's really interesting the way in which the response has been to some of these kinds of things. 
at least the best way we have to measure response. Like we don't hear from everybody on something like this. We just hear from kind of some of the loudest voices on social media. And you know how problematic that can be in terms of getting an accurate snapshot of how people truly feel. But I actually looked when uh, Ross, who I think is a really good reporter for Sports Illustrated, when he tweeted this out yesterday, I just looked at a lot of the responses to that, whether it was like the you know quote retweets or the, or the replies, whatever else. And to me, it was really amazing. Maybe not all that surprising, but still kind of amazing just how popular the sentiment expressed by Kiffin, similar stuff to what you heard right there, how popular that sentiment seemed to be. And if I had to kind of describe the way in which people kind of are, are talking about this, I think there seems to be this viewpoint right now, while no one's really mentioning Kirby Smart by name, Smart does come across in a discussion like this, sort of feeling like the old guard head coach. And I think people have a tendency to think when Smart says the things like he's saying of, hey, I don't want this to just be about the highest bidder. I don't want this to stop being college football. I don't want this to become the kind of thing that can't be controlled. I think there's a tendency on the part of some people, a lot of sort of overeducated, underemployed people on social media that, oh, well, Smart's just being self-serving. Smart's just making an argument that benefits him. He's not actually being truthful. And on the flip side of that coin, there seems to be this thought of, well, Lane Kiffin's the one speaking truth to power here. He's telling the man how it is, as if Lane Kiffin, who has ridden a gravy train of nepotism all the way to the part to the point where he is right now, if somehow he's also not the man in all this, if somehow he's also not a part of the power structure and hasn't leveraged certain things to his benefit that other people didn't have in their life to get where they are, if somehow somehow Lane Kiffin's not a part of the power structure of college football, but that's probably a different conversation for a different day. The point is, there seems to be this thought that, hey, Lane Kiffin's being truthful when he says it's time we treat these players like pros and it's time we treat this like real life and like any other professional sport, that somehow Kiffin's being truthful when he says that. But Kirby Smart, on the other hand, and coaches like that are being self-serving. They're being disingenuous. They're just lying to, to suit what benefits them. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this, is that Maybe everybody's lying. We've certainly pointed out plenty of examples of how Nick Saban may have lied about this in the past. Deion Sanders may have lied about this in the past. Jimbo Fisher may have lied about this in the past. Maybe maybe Kirby Smart's lying about all this, too. Maybe maybe he's right there in the list of people who are lying when it comes to this particular topic. But Lane Kiffin's probably lying as well, because let's be honest here for a moment. When it comes to the current power structure of college football, the current hierarchy of how you climb to the top, that is a system that, for the most part, has rejected Lane Kiffin. Now, he's a head coach in the SEC at Ole Miss. But did you notice this past offseason when the coaching carousel spun about as quickly and wildly as it ever has before with job openings at Florida and LSU and you know big programs all across the country, Miami included? Did you notice that Lane Kiffin's name never really showed up as a serious contender to get any of those jobs? Did you notice that? Now, every sports writer includes Kiffin on the list of guys who are ready to sort of jump in there. His name always seems to work well when it comes to the coaching rumor mill. But in terms of the actual folks who have a, you know, a decision making power to hire a guy like Kiffin, Kiffin's a non-entity to them. Kim, uh, you know, Kiffin's not the kind of person right now who's a serious candidate to be coached at a place like Florida, a place like LSU, a place like Miami, the kind of place when you where you could truly win. He's stuck being a coach at a place like Ole Miss. Now, he's a pretty good coach, and he had a pretty good year this past year, but there's all kinds of other issues and baggage that come with Kiffin that I don't have time to get into right now that make him unhireable for any 
athletic director who takes himself seriously, any program who takes itself seriously. So the point here is Kiffin kind of burning down the system. Why would he not do that when the system, for the most part, has rejected him as a coach? But that said, let's deal more at face value with with some of the stuff that uh, Kiffin had to say here. Like all of this to me leads to a choice. And I don't mind telling you, as a Georgia fan, who also likes the idea of having college football the way that it's been. I like the stuff that Kirby Smart says about this a lot more than I like the stuff that Lane Kiffin says about this. And you say, well, what if the opinions were reversed? You're a Georgia guy. Would you still like Kirby Smart better if he's saying the opposite opinion? I don't think so, but obviously you can't know that for sure. But but just dealing with life as it is right now, Kirby's saying what he's saying, Lane Kiffin saying what he's saying. I think there's an element of the preservation of the sport. I kind of like the idea that Smart's on the side of that here right now. And I think the kind of the, some of the stuff that Lane Kiffin's kind of bringing out, I think, is potentially a little problematic because when Kiffin says, oh, yeah, we should treat these players like pros, we should treat this more like real life. Like, and here's my question. Is that really what we want college football to be? I mean, do we want the college years for these players to be an early start to real life or a continuation of the preparation for real life? I mean, like thinking about yourself when you were 18, 19, 20. Now, some of you served in the military, so you had the realest life anybody could ever have. I get that. But for the people who had a little bit different story on that, were you ready to be in real life at 18? Or were you glad to have a little preparation for real life there at that time? And when it comes to college football, I think the same kind of thing is, is relevant here. In fact, I thought that Jeff Sintel had a great story yesterday on the heels of Jaden Wayne, the five-star edge rusher's uh, visit to Georgia there. And he talked to uh, Jaden Wayne's father. And it's worth your time. You should go back and read, you know, the whole thing there. And, you know, Mr. Wayne in this story talks a lot about, hey, wanting that family feel from a place like George or wherever it is that Wayne goes to school. And there's a very good chance that Wayne doesn't choose UGA. It seems like a lot of smart people online think he won't. So this is not just talking about player because I think he's coming to Georgia. There's plenty of people who think that Wayne ultimately might not come to UGA. But it's still interesting to hear Wayne's father I mean, after all, Wayne's still a teenager, and this is still a teenager's dad saying, hey, we want to make sure the place that he goes has some sort of family feel. Now, treating you like family is not real life. Treating you like family is, is, uh, is not what the sport would be if it became more transactional. That's what Lane Kiffin seems to want to push it towards. Let's make this sport more transactional. After all, we know that's kind of what real life is. Some of you feel like you're in a transactional relationship with your employer right now. And what uh, Jaden Wayne's dad says in the pages of DogNation.com is, um, I don't want this to be transactional. I want this to feel relational. Now, he also talks about, you know, hey, are you going to help him make a college major decision? Interesting to hear a dad like this saying, we still think academics matter in this some form and and some fashion. And and listen, I don't want to be totally naive here. I do realize that we're in kind of a day and age when people don't necessarily feel super candid or uh, feel comfortable, I should say, being super candid about the role that NIL plays in recruitment. There is a very good chance here that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe the NIL stuff is a bigger deal for Jaden Wayne than his dad wants to let on, you know, towards and doesn't want to talk about that openly with reporter here at dognation.com. I totally grant you on all of that. But I do think to hear from one of the stakeholders here, the dad of a five-star recruit saying, you know, I'm not quite ready for my son to have real life just yet. I'm ready for him to get some preparation for real life. It certainly sounds like if you were to ask him straight up, based on the words there, dognation.com, and you should read this for yourself, that 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 Jaden Wayne's dad is not quite ready for him to be treated as an employee, as a pro. 
that certainly the NFL future is something that he's hoping for. And he even talked about that in the story with DogNation.com with Jeff Santel. But to be a pro just yet, it sounds like they're kind of, you know, uh, uh, enjoying the idea of a college experience. It's a little bit more relational, the kind of transactional stuff that Lane Kiffin's talking about. But then there's this. If you want to treat college football like it's real life, if you want to treat this, these players, as the, if they are pros, make this something totally different than it's been in the past, which is what Lane Kiffin's kind of arguing for. I mean, I'd point you to a very interesting story. Um from Max Olson at The Athletic. Max is a college football writer, and he was writing the other day about how the new rule related to basically the elimination of the 25-man signing cap that get, be, being given the opportunity now to sign as many players as you want to over the course of the next two years, that's the parameters around the rule right now, uh, as a way of getting up to the 85 number for teams who are below that, that what Max Olson points out is it actually now makes it a little easier for programs that want to cut players. They'll be able to do that. In fact, let me read you Max Olson from The Athletic here. He says, because of the new rule, it's now easier than ever for college football coaches to flip a roster. Eliminating the 25-man signing limit is going to help coaches freely. Listen to this now. It's going to help coaches freely run off as many underperforming players as they want and replace them with new talent. That is a very succinct and to the point phrase there, Max Olson from The Athletic. So Lane Kiffin says, hey, let's make college football more like the real world. Well, Max Olson just described for you, unconnected to Kiffin's remarks, what the real world actually is. It's a real world where a few players may get more money than ever, but a few other players, maybe even a larger number of players, won't have any place to play whatsoever because they are now cut. After all, if you want to make college football like pro football, isn't that how the NFL has worked for a long time? Isn't that how the NFL basically operates here of uh, if you're injured, you're cut. If you're injured, you're moved on from. If you're injured, you essentially don't exist. That's what a transactional relationship around football would look like. Look to the NFL uh, if you want to see that. And then I'll, I'll kind of close all this out with a, with a quick story here. I was talking to a coach the other day, a high school coach, and he was telling me about his starting quarterback who's injured and the one thing the coach said was, and I thought this was really interesting, he said, you know, in the aftermath of this, this was a guy that's supposed to be starting for them for the upcoming season, but in the aftermath of this, this coach reached out to all of the colleges that had offered a scholarship to this quarterback who's not going to miss the entirety of his senior year, that at least that's the expectation. And what the coach asked the programs was, hey, will you still stand by your scholarship offer to this player? Will you still be there for him? Will you still give him a place to come to school if that's what he wants to do? And he said that all those programs said, yeah, we will. We'll stick by you. We'll keep that scholarship uh, offer intact. This is a real story that that's really going on right now for a, you know, for a pretty big time high school program here in this area. And as he's telling me that story, I couldn't help but think about this. What if Lane Kiffin got his way? What if we started treating these football players more like pros are treated in professional football like the NFL? Could those coaches actually make that commitment to say, yeah, we'll stick with you. We'll still offer this scholarship. Or would they have to say, sorry, coach, can't do that. My job's on the line here, and I've got to go get somebody out of the transfer portal, or I've got to go do this, that, and the other. I'd love to stick by your player, but I can't do that anymore because, hey, this is pro football now. I used to be college football, but not something different. See, that's what Kirby Smart says, I believe, when he argues for this sport staying at least somewhat like it's been in the past, which is not to say you can't have some NIL or whatever else, but you don't want to completely burn down the system that has existed in the past. Lane Kiffin says he does want to do that. I believe that Kiffin has some self-serving reasons for feeling that way, and I think the ideas that he expressed in Sports Illustrated should be rejected. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, also uh, the Dog Nation app there as well. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're happy to have you on video. You can also find us uh, podcast form, the Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player of the Android devices, worldfamousdognation.com. Or you can listen to the radio every day at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. We are just really happy to have you with us doing what we're doing here today. And we're very grateful for our sponsors who make all of uh, this possible, including our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Here's what we know. The divorce process, scary, confusing. If you feel like you're going through it and in an audience the size of ours, uh, statistically speaking, a good number of you, unfortunately, will probably face this reality. You may be facing it right now. And I wish I could like make it all better and make it all go away. But the fact of the matter is, it is a reality that sometimes has to be confronted. And if you do confront it, the thing that can make it a little easier for you is to have a strong advocate on your side as you do. Someone who understands the emotional weight that you're carrying as you go through this, but also someone who understands the way in which the law can be leveraged for your benefit. Because on the other side of this is, an, is the next season of your life. You want to be happy. You want to be content. You want to have a better story to tell. And making the right decisions now make all that possible in the future. I'm talking about when it comes to your family, your children, your finances, all of the things that can be impacted by the divorce process. Mary, Weather, and Tharp, they understand that, and they want to work for you. They want to provide you some free resources as well. So if you check out their website, theatlantadivorcesteam.com, you can learn more about them. You can hear about the thousands of times they've gone through divorces that may be similar to yours. Your situation obviously is specific to you. Your circumstances certainly are, but still, having been through these kinds of things thousands of times before, that creates a level of institutional expertise that allows them to serve you better. So please find them online. It's theatlantadivorceteam.com. Theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia Divorce. All right, we're going to get Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a moment. I want to do a quick version of Around the Doghouse before we get there on that. And it's very interesting to see some of the comparisons that are starting to come out for some of the current crop of best players in college football for the upcoming season, how they may kind of fit into an NFL draft conversation in the future. And obviously, while Georgia could have a number of very attractive prospects for next year's NFL draft, probably no one stands right now any taller in that discussion than Jalen Carter does. I think he's unquestionably the best player on the Georgia roster right now. And he's already drawing some pretty favorable comps for how he might work out at the NFL level, including Jeffrey Simmons here from Chris Trapasso from CBSSports.com, who says when he looks at Carter, he sees a Jeffrey Simmons level player. Let me read this to you from Trapasso, CBSSports.com. He says, Carter is stupidly strong and flexible at his size. He shouldn't be able to squeeze through gaps, take a chip, swim around a blocker and hit the accelerators to sack the quarterback as effortlessly as he does that was the story with jeffrey simmons when he entered the league as well in 2019 at mississippi state uh he was tall he was thick powerful but deceptively elastic and explosive that's chris Tapasso making that uh, comparison to the uh, uh very impressive defensive lineman jeffrey simmons there for jalen carter and in this write-up in this piece on 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 carter at cbsports.com that's kind of the thing that that he led to in his evaluation of Carter is much like Simmons, who has been used in a number of different ways. He's you know, kind of come off the edge a little bit, but he's also uh, provided some interior pass rush there as well. It's really the versatility of Carter to be a three technique, to be a five technique, to come you know from the sort of defensive end position if you needed him to. It's that ability to do those different things that also adds to his value there as a player. And 
with all that in mind, it was really interesting to go back. You know, we haven't really heard from Jalen too much since he's been a player there at Georgia. He's one of those guys that I think just sort of prefers to do his talking in the field. Not to believe he has every right uh, to do that if that's what he wants. But he did talk during spring practice about his role for Georgia here this year. I'm going to take kind of a couple of clips here and sort of combine them together a little bit of, you know, stepping into a bigger spot now. There is no Jordan Davis. There is no Devontae White. There is no Trayvon Walker. Those absences well documented. The need to replace those departed stars also well covered here at this point in time. And Jalen Carter will be the guy that has the spotlight on him to do just that. And during spring practice, the somewhat soft-spoken Carter did address that. So let me let you hear a little bit of that on the heels of Carter already getting some pre-draft attention ahead of that 2023 draft cycle. This is Jalen Carter from the spring. I worry about you different way you know i um, started running more after practice and all that because some guys motivated me to do more because they told me i could be top 10 pick and all that so i've done a lot that i usually didn't do my freshman year and i've just been working harder yeah you came in as a five-star prospect you've had expectations your entire time here how have you you know you think you've gone about living up to those now entering your junior year what are your own sort of expectations entering the season? Um, I don't really know. Uh, the fall stars is on cool and all, but I came here with a new start and new mindset saying I gotta earn everything I do. And just playing with them guys, I feel like I have done what was needed. So before I get Terrence Edwards, I'm gonna talk to Terrence about this in a moment. Let me just squeeze in one quick point about this. I think a lot of what Carter says there is really interesting, that he was motivated this offseason because of what he saw those previous guys in Georgia do, and how could you not be? That you heard him say that, and he's soft-spoken, but hopefully you, you were able to hear what he said, that hey, people are telling me I can be a top-10 pick. People are telling me that, that I can do kind of what these guys just did. Like, how could you not be motivated by that? And you've heard me say this before, this to me is one of the cool things about college football right now is that there is a huge correlation between guys who push themselves to be great NFL draft prospects and success for their teams. Like, we're also getting ready for the NBA draft coming up here pretty soon, too. Like, how many of the guys who will be taken at the front end of the NBA draft had really no college success to speak of whatsoever? I don't fully know why. Uh, Maybe it's the one-and-done culture. Maybe it's as simple as that. But there's not as much of a correlation between – NBA draft success and on-court success for college basketball the way there is for college football where so many of the guys drafted near the top end of the front round or should say the front end of the first round of the NFL draft uh, also led their teams to great success in college it just seems to be a much greater correlation on all that so the idea that Carter is embracing the idea that he could be a top 10 pick is not just good for him individually I believe it's good for Georgia collectively because the same thing kind of happened for some of these dogs a year ago it's also interesting here uh, in the question from Connor Riley who you heard just there Carter totally rejecting the notion of hey I'm not a five-star guy anymore like that's what I was before I came in here but in so many words what Jalen's essentially saying is this is no longer about potential I'm not one of those guys that hey could really pop and could really break out no I want to be the guy that does that I want to be the guy that ends all doubt about whether I'm that guy or not I want to prove that on the football field at least that's kind of what I hear coming out of Jalen's mouth there on that I think he's a fascinating player for the dogs this upcoming season he's already getting 
NFL draft attention and when you see the promise that he's shown through his first two years at UGA it's easy to understand why that might be the case that is around the doghouse this is dog nation daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today I'm going to do one more thing before we're done another pretty interesting contrast I'd say between Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin we'll do that before we are finished on today's program uh also a little bit of news about one of the big Georgia rivalry games the one we believe is the biggest of them all we'll get to that here over the course of our time together there as well so a lot of ground to cover on the program here today but for now here on dog nation daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp on Thursdays always a great chance to get ready to talk to uh Terrence Edwards we'll get ready to do that right now and glad to have him and all of you with us here today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, we'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here. A great voice talking college football, former UGA wide receiver, obviously a terrific coach right now, working with guys on an individual basis, and there with one of the power programs in the Atlanta area, the uh, Milton Eagles doing all kinds of stuff there. Uh, it is Terrence Edwards. Terrence, welcome into the program. Happy to have you here, and we hope you're doing really well. Hey, thanks, Dave. I'm doing well. Thank you. So let me begin with this. We were talking a moment ago about Jalen Carter, who's kind of already getting a lot of NFL draft chatter, folks comparing him to you know Pro Bowl-level players, his versatility, what he brings to the table. I think it's fairly easy to assume right now that Carter, on paper, appears to be the best player on this Georgia roster. When you look at a guy like that for the upcoming season, what kind of um, you know what kind of outlook do you have for Jalen right now? How good do you think he can be? Well, I'm going to go back a few years ago, and I, I don't remember if it was on your show, B.A., or if I was just on And They kind of asked me who was going to be the best player out of this class, and this class still had, you know, my guy, you know, Jermaine Burton in. Yeah. And I said, I, w- I went away from the receiver, and I said Jalen Carter was probably going to be the best player in this class, and he's actually living up to uh, the hype that I put on him coming out of high school. I mean, mm-hmm. he just have a 6'3", 6'4", 310-pound, this freakish of an athlete. Um, if you watch his high school tape, him being able to play tight end and catch the ball naturally, um, then be able to destroy just those poor kids in high school, man. And so I saw this back when he was coming out, and I'm um, continuing to say that I think he's uh, he could be a top ten pick next year. He he just that dominant of a a defensive player. I mean, when you have the type of talent that Georgia had, and he can rotate and stay fresh. We saw what he could do, and he dominated the SEC like I thought he would coming out you no know, three years ago. The other thing, too, go back to his time in high school, a little bit like Trayvon Walker was there as well. You know, Carter was a very good basketball player. I, people have been joking with me for a long time. I love to watch these football prospects dunk basketballs because I just love the way they punish the rim. And, you know, Carter had some great, like, dunk highlights, things like that. I mean, it really is as simple as that, isn't it, Terrence? If you got a guy like uh, Trayvon Walker, a guy like Jalen Carter, these defensive linemen who are also athletic enough to be good basketball players, that sort of tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? I think so. And I had a conversation the other day. I don't know if it's when I was talking about uh, Arch Manning last week and uh, just talk about, you know, his athleticism. And I, I haven't really seen much of it. And I referenced to I saw him dunk a basketball. And I went back and forth with someone in the chat was just talking about dunking means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. But dunking and showing your athleticism, that that what got Thomas Davis a scholarship to Georgia. And it is it, yeah. it, in a in the grand scheme of things, it just shows your athleticism. I saw Trayvon Walker play in high school, and uh, I knew what type of athlete he was going to be. I saw uh, Jalen Carter doing the same, playing on the basketball court. So 
Does it translate to the football field? Yes, it does. Just that athletic system and just show the God-given talent that you uh, that you have, and it shows not on the let alone the football field, but the basketball court as well. The other thing, and we heard some audio from uh, Carter a moment ago where he's talking about, you know, hey, people are saying I can be a top 10 pick, which I obviously believe is true. I think you believe that too. You kind of alluded to that a moment ago. And to me, Terrence, this is one of the cool things about college football right now is it seems like there is a strong correlation with if you're an individual player pushing yourself to be a better NFL prospect, that's not a selfish decision. That benefits the team there as well because, you know, Georgia did have five first-round picks in its defense this year. Those guys making themselves better individually benefited the team overall. You know, previous national champions, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, the, you know, the last three prior to Georgia, they all had a bunch of first-round picks too that it's not one of those things where we're forcing these players to make a choice of, hey, do you want to do something that helps your team or do you want to do something that helps yourself? You can get bigger. You can get stronger. You can get faster. You can become better and and obviously you're motivated to make millions of dollars as why you're doing that but the team that you're playing on in college they're really benefited by that too and i do love the right now the way in which those ideas are closely connected i think both could be true That's i think right. you could basically be selfish in the in the fact that i worked my whole life and a and a lifelong dream to make it to the nfl but i could do that in a team aspect of things that along so i'm going to make myself better and i play in a team aspect then I'm going to show my traits as an individual player and a team player. So both can be true. And I think every football player should have that mindset of, you know, being a little selfish, but also using that selfishness for good of the team. So both can definitely be true. No, I think that's exactly right. Uh, really good stuff there. Hey, I was talking about something else before you joined us there as well. So well, Lane Kiffin, interviewed by Sports Illustrated, had some uh, interesting things to say about you know treating these players more like pros making this more like true a professional sport which he says it already is and my point on that is is that if you do move in that direction that's not going to benefit everybody that okay well maybe you know the guy in the front of the roster maybe he's making more money and maybe he can leverage himself maybe he can get a million dollars but as another writer's kind of pointed out on a different subject you also open the door for more players to get cut. Um, if this becomes more like the NFL, I mean, you know, you know this. You, you played plenty of professional football, including the NFL. That's not a very, uh, you know, uh, lovey-dovey type league. You get cut. You know, there's no guaranteed money. You get injured. You get forgotten about. Is that really what we want college football to be? And, and Terrence, you work with a lot of recruits. Uh, you yourself, you know, were a recruit. Your brother's a good high school coach. I mean, do recruits want this to be professional football with everything that comes along with that? I don't think so. I think uh, I think at the end of the day, as a former college player, I'm all for being able to make money off your name, likeness, and image. And everyone has heard me say this. Uh, I wish I could play college fo- football right now and be able to make some money off the number eight jerseys that I saw in the stands uh, or branding myself to be whatever. That's all fine and dandy. But I, I don't think because it's a lonely walk, walking into that coach's office, that GM office, and, and saying this, we're going to have to let you go. That, that's, that is not a great feeling. Uh, 99% of the athletes have had that feeling before of being let go and cut. And I, and I don't think that's a – the thing that we can really put on 17, 18-year-old kids that, you know, having to walk into that coach's office and, you know, we're going to not renew your scholarship because we got said player in the portal that 
to make our team better. So I don't think that's where we should go. That's not what college football is designed for. But I'm still in favor of whatever and however it looks because I do believe there should be some parameters around it. But I still think the players should be able to make as much money off their God-given name, uh, likeness, and image. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. And I guess the trick here right now, Terrence, is, well, how do you strike the balance with all that? Like, how do you – because I kind of agree with you. It's like – like I'm not against a player, you know, making some money off his fame or, 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 you know, making, I'm almost not even really against guys getting money as like some people are like, I like NIL, but I don't like it as an inducement for recruiting. Like I'm sort of not really even against that either. The thing that I don't want is I just don't want college football to stop being college football. I, I don't want this to become, you know, another version of professional football, because by the way, every like professional football league other than the nfl they've all failed like no one cares about the usfl uh xfl failed once before trying to come back again they had the thing a couple of years ago uh another league that kind of folded before the season even ended like do people not realize that like professional football leagues that the that, that aren't the nfl they don't actually have a very good track record for success here and so like i'm all for nil i'm all for you know you know guys getting a chance to get theirs I just don't want it to come at the expense of the other player who's just looking for a scholarship and just looking for a place to play. And I hate the idea that that opportunity for that player might go away so Bryce Young can get another million dollars. I'm with you on that. I'm definitely with you. And as we know, every player is not going to make it to the NFL. Uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to be able to play uh, in the NFL and I and finished up in, in, in the CFL. I think those are two of the leagues that are very sustainable, uh, but there's not a lot of spots for how many players we have. And college football is, is a lot of times it's going to end uh, some people's careers, but you also get opportunity to uh, get an education. You also opportunity to grow as a young man. Uh, I just think college is, is supposed to be fun. I don't think it's, 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 it's becoming a business. It's definitely more than a business than when I played, and that's not long ago. I just think a lot of times we are focusing on how can I brand myself more now, and that's just with the time than when I played. But also it's, it's coming, how can I, as a coach, how can I make my team better and into the expense of losing a kid who's probably not going to make it to the NFL, and he just wants to be a part of, a great situation and get an education. So it's a lot of things that's going to trickle down that we didn't even expect when this NIL first came. And I don't think it was intended to become this. I think it was intended to sign a few autographs and get paid for it. Um, so it's, it's a lot of things that has to happen differently. And it has to come from people in the room that are much smarter than me. But I understand and know what it can look like if it really becomes a professional sport. Uh, let me finish with this. There's been a little bit of chatter with our audience the last couple of days because some various websites are coming out with their top quarterback list of the upcoming season. 24-7 had theirs the other day. Of their top 20 quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett's name was not on the list. And listen, I know this is a hot topic, Terrence, and it sort of divides UGA fans sometimes in kind of an odd way, I would say. But if Bennett's not being listed among the 20 best quarterbacks in college football, do you think he's being underrated? Or is this simply a matter of Georgia's finding a way to get it done right now without one of the 20 best quarterbacks in college football? Which is more true for you? 
I think he's been underrated. Uh, do I think he's one of the top 20 quarterbacks in the country? I do. Uh, I, I, I do. Is he Bryce Young or one of those other guys that's probably going to get looked at in the NFL? Probably not. Uh, I think Stetson is uh, is going to be a guy that's probably going to get some opportunities, probably late-round free agent, uh, maybe Canadian League. But is that a bad thing? No. But one thing that Stetson got, that can never be taken away from him. He's he's the starting quarterback for the uh, national champ Georgia Bulldogs. And from 20, 30 years from now, he's going to be able to take that. Uh, whatever his football career takes him after this season, you can never take that away from him. Terrence, I think that's exactly right. I think that's really well said. Thank you so much for being here today. And remind folks, if they want to get some of the great work that you're doing right now uh, with your individual coaching, Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, how can they get in touch with you? You can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Elwood Wire Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Hope you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for being here. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, to me, like, Terrence says a lot of stuff there that I can completely agree with. And, like, to me, here's what it comes down to. Like, college football has been a very successful let's call it a restaurant just think about that for a moment college football has been a very successful restaurant and it's had this meal that it's cooked for a long time that people really seem to like and i don't think there's anything wrong with saying okay what if we added some new seasoning to this what if we added something to it, an extra side dish to go along with it that to me is like what nil can be or what you know more liberal transfer type rules can be i think you can add some extra seasoning to this i think you can add an extra side dish to go along with it but what I'm not in favor of is what a guy like Lane Kiffin seems to be arguing for, which is, okay, this meal has been successful. This restaurant's been successful. But now it's time to burn down the kitchen and start cooking something completely different. Like, that's where I, I think that there has to be some room for some for some nuance here that the kind of people who want to just, like, burn this thing to the ground and start over from scratch, these are people that think that tearing something down is the same thing as building something. And trust me when I tell you, it is not. It does not take a genius to destroy college football. Uh, but being able to destroy college football is not the same thing as being able to build something back that could serve communities as well as college football as serve. I just think that's an important thing to keep in mind in all of this. Doesn't mean you can't make any changes anywhere. But if you make the kind of the wrong series of changes that makes what has existed for more than a century unrecognizable you've gone too far and you made a big mistake i'll have more on that coming up here in just a moment but for now though let me get ready to go cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and obviously it's a great time to be on a royal caribbean cruise vacation we've told you about that now for quite some time and to me there's nothing more exciting when you think about royal caribbean than perfect day coco k the amazing private island oasis right there in the bahamas and what's cool is is if you want to kind of think about your own royal caribbean cruise vacation you can kind of search simply on the basis of okay which ships which sailings you know which one of those include perfect day coco Cay is a part of the itinerary now our friends of the cruise and vacation authority can also help you out on this too you can find them online at tcava.com that's tcava.com or give them a call 770-952-8300 770-952-8300 but experience this for yourself 
the thrill side, the chill side. The thrill side includes a water park with the tallest water slide in North America. And can you imagine that? Like right there in the middle of the Bahamas, tallest water slide in North America. Uh, you've got on the other side, the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. It's like one of these great, just relaxing getaways. You can have that if you want to. You can kind of sort of experience a little bit of both. Enjoy great food while you're there. It's just an incredible experience. And my encouragement to you is to check it out. Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacations, great thing to be doing here this summer. And I am certainly looking forward to being back on my own royal caribbean cruise vacation here very very soon so new information about the cbs broadcast schedule for the upcoming year and we know this that the uh, george bulldogs are gonna be back at 3 30 p.m playing those florida gators there for that when they're in jacksonville we'll do our gator hater countdown for you coming up here but always kind of fun this time of year when you start getting those broadcast announcements taking place and you're reminded once again that Georgia, Florida going to be back in its customary spot there at 3.30 p.m. And, you know, we only have a little bit of time left on this. I actually don't quite know when. But coming up pretty soon, the entire SEC football schedule is going to move over to the ESPN, ABC, family of networks, SEC network. And it's not going to be on CBS at all anymore. And I'm going to miss that. I really am. I love the CBS college football theme. Um, I think that CBS does a really good job of making the games feel big. Doesn't SEC football on CBS just feel big? I mean, isn't there a little bit of extra excitement, even if you're going to the game? I don't really, I don't really know why this is, but even if you're going to the game, the idea of at 3.30 p.m., you know, Brad Nessler, you know, not everybody likes Gary Danielson, but still he's part of the, the, the broadcast there. Brad Nessler, big feel, network television. In this day and age, that almost doesn't even really matter anymore, but it just feels bigger. As the... SEC moves over to the ESPN stuff fully and completely. I just think that's the challenge awaiting ESPN. They've got to find a way to make SEC football feel a little bigger on their broadcast. They got to make college ball in general feel a little bigger. I think that's part of the reason why their college ball playoff ratings have struggled. For some reason, sporting events on ESPN just feel a little smaller. And I think that actually think that ESPN is actually kind of aware of this I think that's one of the big reasons why they brought over Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to do Monday Night Football even though from a rating standpoint it probably doesn't you know make a huge difference in who watches the football games but a better broadcast team more recognized voices just makes the game feel a little bit bigger and if you want to justify these you know exorbitant rates for uh, uh you know for advertisements things like that having a game that feels as big as it's supposed to is probably a good way in that direction so upgrading the nfl broadcast team is probably i think a little bit of an you know a little bit of acknowledgement of the fact that espn hasn't made its sporting events feel as big as they possibly could so enjoy however much time you know we have left of watching the sec on cbs i think the network does a good job broadcasting the games and i hope by the time the sec is fully on espn and its family of networks completely I hope at, by that time ESPN feels a little bit more like the vibe you get with CBS because I just think it's better. I think it's kind of true across the board there on that. Uh, five-star running back Richard Young has announced a series of upcoming official visits, including uh, being there uh, at Georgia coming up on uh, June the 1st through the 3rd. So Young going to be a part of that big early June weekend and also includes the the Arch Mannings and the uh, – and uh, I believe uh, 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 Justice Haynes is going to be there on that time there as well. It is fair to say there's a lot of smart folks who don't think Young ends up at Georgia, but they get their chance to uh, bat on him coming up there on that June 1st through the 3rd. So we'll uh, we'll keep our eye on that. 
A lot of folks seem to think that Alabama's a major player here, but uh, that's kind of ongoing there at the moment. And then finally, there's this uh, kind of an interesting story going on with Anai White, who was a big signing for Texas A&M. Was supposed to play in an all-star game uh, over memorial day weekend ended up not playing it there were some people around that including some reporters for uh, pen live which is uh uh you know a news service up there where white's from who was saying that um his decision not to play in the all-star game was related to concern that his nil deal was going to be pulled <laughs> if he played in the game now obviously that opens up all kinds of cans of worms because you know jimbo fisher told us there are no nil deals in place for these recruits but apparently one reporter seemed to be of the mind that that white was concerned about the nil deal that he supposedly has he's technically i guess according to fisher doesn't actually have whatever else well white has come out and disputed all of this and says that's not the reason that he's playing in the uh not that's not the reason he isn't playing in the all-star game but very interesting here where you know Jimbo Fisher has kind of you know said a bunch of stuff and there will be more attempt to verify this with some of the recruits who were involved in all that including kind of an odd rumor here about White and the all-star game and what role maybe concern over NIL factoring in his decision not to play the truth is he could have just wanted to have the weekend off and not play an all-star game uh this close to the start of his college career but uh nonetheless uh that's kind of out there right now wanted to make you aware of that we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp i want to turn my attention back to dogs here just for a moment and draw another contrast and we'll do this kind of quickly when it comes to Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin, Kiffin, of course, giving you the interview in Sports Illustrated, where he's just essentially going scorched earth in the college football model. And I told you earlier in the show that I believe that Kiffin is just as self-serving on all of this as all the other coaches are, even though he's arguing something that's essentially the opposite of what many of them are arguing. Obviously, it benefits Kiffin to to burn all this to the ground. What was the guy? Is it uh, was it Littlefinger from uh, Game of Thrones who says that chaos is a ladder? Well, pretty clearly, Kiffin sees that to be true. Here is that given the current state of college football, he can be Nick Saban's offensive coordinator, but he can't be Nick Saban. I mean, he's just had too many issues and too many weird chapters in his life to be the head coach at the big school. He can be at Ole Miss, but he's not a very good recruiter and he's not going to win via the traditional means very much so therefore why not come up with an excuse for why you're not a really good recruiter we don't have any money therefore we can't recruit you know why not come up with an excuse for why you have to go to the transfer portal for the entirety of your roster because hey that's what everybody does now you know kiffin is just as self-serving as the other coaches even if he's arguing the opposite of what many of those other coaches are arguing but at least in one respect he may have gone too far and i think Kirby Smart, once again, pretty interesting on this, that if you want to go back to uh, the Feinbaum interview that Smart did a few days ago, the idea of tampering came up at the time. Now, the, the, the notion of tampering, which is reaching out and talking to a player on someone else's roster, this is the kind of thing that professional sports actually takes pretty seriously. You know, Kiffin says he wants college football to be a pro sport. Well, pro sports actually have given out some punishments for tampering from time to time. Uh, but when you reach out to somebody else who's on someone's roster, that's the kind of thing that a lot of folks think you probably shouldn't do. In fact, most professional sports do have pretty rigid rules against that. But a lot of folks believe that's what USC did to get Jordan Addison from Pitt. Nick Saban talked about this the other day, and Kirby Smart was asked about it on the Feinbaum show. And Smart, when asked about it, actually downplayed the role that tampering has played in terms of what's currently happening within the transfer portal world of college football here's a reminder from kirby smart going back to Feinbaum. i don't believe there's as much tampering as people think right. what i think is there's kids who grow up 
thinking that if it doesn't work out here, I should go somewhere else. The tampering comes from the player that's searching somewhere else, not from a coach reaching out. Look, I've had kids reach out to me from other programs and call and say things, and you can't talk to them. So I know it happens from our place out, from other places. So I don't worry as much about tampering as much as I do about are we doing the right thing for kids when they have adversity or things are tough to be able to walk away. I mean, we, we had a, a group of 15 draft picks that all felt like they had a chance in their career somewhere they might, they might have left. Well, if they had left, they would have missed out on a national championship. They would have missed out on getting drafted. They would have missed out on graduating. I think, I think those things are, are critical to success. So I think it's admirable there that Smart tries to take the high road and basically not complain about the role that tampering might be playing and essentially wants to, you know, basically, I don't know, you know, avoid stirring up any more controversy. But at a certain point, I think certain things just have to be called out, once again, including Lane Kiffin from the interview in Sports Illustrated that we addressed a moment ago. So this is one of the quotes from Kiffin about transfer portal and he mentions Bryce Young by name which I believe ought to be considered a no-no I I don't think you ought to have coaches making these kinds of statements let me read Lane Kiffin to you he says why didn't Bryce Young go into the transfer portal if you're advising Bryce Young why do you not go into the portal and walk into Nick Saban's office and say hey I want to be here but I've got to protect myself so I'm going to go into the portal and I want to come back as long as the money basically that, that I'm getting is going to be matched with whatever I can get out there. What he means by that is, hey, I'm going to stay at Alabama if you'll give me the same amount of money I can get from somebody else if I go into the transfer portal. Kiffin says the kid would make 10 times what he would have made uh, had he just stayed at Alabama. Uh, how's that not going to happen all the time in the future? He says it should and it will. Once again, that's Lane Kiffin. Like, here's my issue on this. I don't think an SEC coach should be mentioning another player from somebody else's roster by name in an interview with Sports Illustrated. And my guess is the SEC commissioner doesn't think you should either. And everybody wants to laugh this off because Lane Kiffin's kind of a clown. He's kind of a joke. And this is just more clownish behavior from Kiffin. But this notion that a guy like Kiffin in a big platform, Sports Illustrated, would be encouraging a player by name to go into the transfer portal. Like, how is that not just the absolute blueprint definition of tampering and how is that not wrong for college football now you can say well maybe young should do that listen if that's what he wants to do i guess maybe that's what he would do but the idea as a coach that you would encourage that kind of behavior um only to sow sort of more uh you know disorder into the sport i don't think that's conduct becoming of a guy who wants to be a leader of a sport that's not being a caretaker of the future of the sport that's just sort of you know benefiting uh yourself in the moment as i said before it's pretty easy to see i believe here that kiffin kind of views chaos as a ladder for him that if things are crazy for everybody maybe i can sneak up another rung on the ladder maybe trading off my daddy's last name wasn't quite enough for me to build a career for myself maybe i can build a little higher you know opportunity for myself if i can just make the sport a little more chaotic um i don't know i don't know i don't think this is uh the kind of thing that the sec ought to look too kindly on and kirby smart maybe wants to take the high road here and say there isn't that much tampering going on but if a guy like kiffin is mentioning a player on somebody else's roster by name encouraging him to transfer at least flirt or threaten to transfer then to me we've got uh fairly cut and dry behavior of a coach stepping out of bounds and i hope that kiffin gets called out for it i wish the commissioner would punish him for it We'll see if that indeed happens. Let me also say this, the uh, finished long drink. You uh, can find that right now and get ready to enjoy a great Memorial Day weekend. Obviously, we certainly uh, keep in mind those that paid the ultimate price for us to be able to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy here. But we also kind of 
think about this weekend as a time to unofficially kick off the summer and you're around uh, the, the pool, you're going to the lake, you're doing what you're doing. And as you're doing that this summer, a nice cold cooler filled with the finished long drink is certainly a great way uh, to do all of that. In fact, I'd encourage you to even get one of those eight can variety packs. It comes with two different versions, two different cans of each of the four finished long drink varieties. It's a great beverage. It's a ready to drink cocktail. Look, it comes in a can. So some people can think it's a beer, but it's not. It's a new category of beverage, a ready to drink cocktail. That means you pop the top and you enjoy it, whether it's the traditional in the blue can, which has kind of like the gin kick with the grapefruit flavor or the long drink cranberry. Or if you want something a little stronger, how about the long drink strong? That's the black can. It's 8.5% alcohol by volume. There is the long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar. For those of you trying to keep that uh, bathing suit figure going, that'll help you out with all of that. Uh, it comes from Finland the 1950s. It's been in America now for a couple of years, and it's here in the state of Georgia, wherever you are. Make sure you check out the finished long drink online at thelongdrink.com. You can enjoy it, and you can try some golf course, beverage store, bar, wherever you are. The finished long drink is right there for you. So I hope you'll check some of that out today. All right. So as we say goodbye here, a couple of different uh, golden shoes to give out. Something else that Kiffin said in the interview with Sports Illustrated was the idea that eventually Nick Saban's going to figure all this out and he's going to stay at Alabama forever and he may double his national championships, whatever other buffoonish commentary that Kiffin offered. And that kind of flies in the face of what I've been saying recently, which is I don't believe that Nick Saban sticks around Alabama for the entirety of Arch Manning's career. And I believe that's one of the mitigating factors that led Manning to basically eliminate Alabama. That's why I believe Eli Holstein committed to the Crimson Tide here this week. Well, some Alabama fans you might imagine don't like that. Let's show the other one first, please, if you don't mind. Uh, okay, uh, so apologize there on that. We'll, uh, <laughs> let me uh, just move on instead. So the other thing we also talked about a little bit yesterday was the um, idea that folks keep trying to make the uh, Kentucky upset of Georgia happen. And one of the things that I joked about was the notion that that was um, kind of trying to make fetch happen, going back to the movie Mean Girls. And somebody sent this to me. I thought this was really funny. I'll uh, show this to you. Let's show it one more time, if you don't mind, please. Yeah, uh, Thad Stokes sent that to me. He says, stop trying to make Kentucky happen. It's it's not going to happen. I thought that was really funny. So you can check that out. Uh, Thad Stokes, good job. We'll make you a golden shoe winner for today. Also remind you, Gator Hater Updater, 4,886 days. That's 4,886 days since the lousy stinking Gators have beaten Georgia. That's always good stuff. And 156 days from right now, dogs back in Jacksonville beating up on those uh, – uh, Florida Gators, lousy stinking Gators one more time. That's our Gator Hater countdown. We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and we'll look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here uh, on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section there at dognation.com. And one piece of news I wanted to point out as I'm recording this, the Georgia Athletic Board meeting is taking place. Uh, we're actually going to talk to John Stinchcomb, who's on the athletic board, about that. We're going to air that as part of Monday's pre-recorded Memorial Day edition of uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. So we'll do that for you then. But a couple pieces of news coming out of this: the expected uh, enhancement of Sanford Stadium is going to take place. This is a big blow for those of us who were coastal elites in the broadcast media, sitting in that press box. The Georgia press box has an amazing view of the field literally and truly the best seats in Sanford Stadium are in the current press box and that's not true for most stadiums in college football who you know kind of have kind of a weird um, configuration for their press box either really high or kind of tucked off in the corner or something like that but Georgia for a long time uh, their press box is like I'm talking about 
it is right in the middle of the field. It's kind of right there, like in the perfect sort of height. I mean, it's obvious why they're doing that. They can obviously make a lot more money, you know, selling that view to bigger donors and things like that. So it's not a surprise they are doing this, but it is a sad day for me because I have certainly enjoyed that view and I no longer will have that here in the future, but obviously it'll be to the benefit of the program to make that change. Um, also, there is uh, talk here about Kirby Smart's contract coming out of this. I read some of the quotes here. Uh, Mark Wise from the Athens Banner Herald had this that uh, they are currently engaged in very positive discussions for a long term extension for Kirby Smart. Um, and that there's a strong desire, that's the quote, for Smart to remain our head coach for many, many years. It's a contract they say will be commensurate with a national championship winning coach. And I guess the, the, the guess that I've sort of had about this is when it's all said and done, Smart's making somewhere in the neighborhood of like $10 million a year or something like that. And this should be treated as a very good thing. You know, that kind of contract, that kind of financial commitment to Smart, I think does ensure, you know, the notion that he sticks around for a long time. Not that he's necessarily looking to go anywhere, but you're paying him like someone that you want to be here for a very long time. I do wonder what the public response will be to all this. Outside Dog Nation, in a time in which, you know, Smart has kind of at least been a little bit of a skeptical voice about some of the current changes to college football, moving to more of a straight pay-for-play model. Smart, I think, has been a little bit of an argument against that. You know, what are people going to say about him when it's announced that he's now making $10 million a year? Some people are going to say, why aren't the players getting a uh, larger share of that money? And who knows, maybe one day Smart does pay you know, deals out of his own pocket. Who knows? But uh, it will be interesting to see how the response is to you know, to all of that. Um, I mean, I still say that one of the most valuable things that a college football player gets while he's in college is unfettered access to a recognized expert whose time has been deemed to be worth $10 million a year. Like to think that you could be that close to smart and gain expert training from him training that the market says is worth $10 million a year that's a pretty valuable commodity. I'd say that's worth more than a college education is, to be frank. Uh, that's what these players get. So to me, that's still the most valuable thing they get while they are playing college football. But of course, not everybody sees it that way. So uh, Smart's about to get a big contract. It will likely signal a long-term commitment by UGA to him. And it will likely bring out a little bit of you know questions about, hey, how does a coaching contract of this size fit into a day and age of a debate about what players should be getting for their time while playing college football. So be on guard for some of that. That is our RS Andrews podcast cool down. Find RS Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised. The price is promised. You can trust all of them to do that for you here today. Uh, water heater goes up. In many cases, RS Andrews can replace it for you the same day. Air conditioning, get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs. All of it by finding RS Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And we will look forward to talking to you then.